You're listening to Soundwise Podcast, a show hosted by Alex in Serbia and Vlada in Poland. Each week we cover a different artist or band and engage in open, spontaneous debates and discussions about specific parts of their discographies. Our goal is to expand their musical horizons and cover a great range of genres and styles. Find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash soundwisepod and on social media at soundwisepod. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Soundrise Podcast. Hello Alexander, how are you feeling today? Hi Vlada, hello, hello to all of our listeners around the world. I'm pretty good, I got some good news in my private life. Got a new job, uh, also my football team is doing well in the Champions League. Got a new haircut, a new one, so everything is is going pretty well. I just wish the pandemic would go away soon, so... Overall, I think I think I'm not doing too bad. How are you, Vlada? I'm pretty good. Just enjoying my well-earned weekend. Today, we're going to talk about a very interesting act, a band that became pretty much indie darlings back in uh, late noughties or early 2010s. A very interesting band, as I mentioned, with a very uh, distinctive vocalist. So, Alexander, this was your suggestion, so please tell us who are we talking about today. Yes, that's a good intro. Obviously, we're talking about Florence and the Machine, one of those major indie bands nowadays. And I have a couple of reasons why I chose this this particular band for our show. So, this is a band that I often hear on the radio these days. I listen to an indie radio station, and Florence and the Machine are one of those bands that often get played there. They, they get airtime, so to say. And the other reason would be, obviously, the vocalist, Florence Welch. I always thought that, you know, she really sounds powerful, uh, very authentic. And I just thought, yeah, maybe we should do a rather modern artist and see what they have for us as music listeners. So let's let's share a bit of info on them. They were founded in 2007 in London, in England. Obviously, Florence Welsh being one of the founding members. Uh, then her friend Isabella Summers on keyboards, Rob Aykroyd on guitar, uh, harpist Tom Munger, and many other collaborators. The name originated from Florence and the nickname of her friend Isabella. The nickname is... Machine, and they had used to to work together, you know, musically before forming this band. So when they decided to form a band, they couldn't really find a proper name. They tried to combine some of their names and and uh, nicknames, and that's that's how we got Florence and the Machine. Do, do um, you have this... any idea why she was called the Machine? Why people call her that way? I'm not too sure. I haven't really, you know research on that have you heard are you familiar with Isabella Summers uh no I, I I know very little about individual band members I have to say for me uh as much as I'm familiar with this band's music I've never really been a huge fan so I never really dug deeper so I feel like this is a great opportunity for me to discover some of their stuff as well so thank you for that yeah. but anyway please continue telling us more about this wonderful act yeah, no worries. I think I have now a, let's say, homework to do regarding Isabella's nickname. 
but anyways um this band was pretty much praised from their foundation let's say uh, especially from the media in particular bbc uh, they played a huge role in spreading the word about this band they were really praised for their pop abilities for their dramatic and eccentric kind of music and that's what they did with their first album that we're going to discuss today it's called lungs and what's interesting about that album is that it it was it, it held the number two position for its first five weeks on the uk albums chart and later on uh, the album would become one of the best-selling albums in the uk in the years 2009 and 2010 and obviously this album paved the way for uh, the subsequent records, some of them also are going to be discussed on our show today. Obviously, people were really impressed with, with Florence as a vocalist and with their style of music because it has these emotional lyrics. You, you get attached with it. You get very, uh, you get very emotional, you know, when you, when you listen to this kind of music. Um, the band itself is often, um, is often described as an indie band, but it does have elements of soul music of rock music and so on so they they were also influenced by other genres and really experimental which we will see uh, with the records today overall i think uh, we should now proceed to covering the records uh, they have released four studio albums so far uh, as you guys know we always discuss three records so we're fortunately going to skip one of them we're now going to start start off with the debut record it's called lungs this record was compared to the likes of fiona apple and kate bush and uh, it was released in 2009 so uh, we're now gonna discuss it uh, it features some of their biggest singles vlada i want to hear your thoughts first on the album lungs all right so thank you for this wonderful intro i really enjoyed listening to you um what i want to say about florence and the machine is that i remember when they burst out on the scene there was a huge hype about them maybe even too much hype for my taste i remember that everyone was talking about them especially within the indie rock community and you know everybody would say that you just had to listen to them that they were something new a breath of fresh air and i tried at the beginning back then and somehow I didn't really grow to like them much. I thought they were very talented, but this music didn't sit well with me at the time. Um, it's been a long time since then, so I can listen to it with a pair of fresh ears, sort of say, and I'm, I'm sure glad I did so. And this record, Lungs, for instance, is really a wonderful debut album. I think maybe some of that hype was not deserved, even though that's very subjective to talk about, but this is definitely a very competent very accomplished piece of work uh, i think that overall the band uh, has a certain charisma especially the leading vocalist right uh, florence welch that is undeniable and that's what we get to hear on this record and this is why this is a huge indie classic and rightfully so so you may argue that some of this hype was deserved after all even though there was probably a lot of naysayers at the time and even nowadays. So I, I want to start off by saying that uh, what's really fascinating when you start listening to this record 
are Florence's vocals. Right from the get-go, it's something that strikes you as unique, as wonderful, as uh, in many ways one of a kind, a sort of a unicorn thing, you know? And rare are the singers with that kind of command of their voice, not just from the technical point of view, not just from the point of view of her range, but also uh, the way she expresses emotions, the way she expresses attitude that's needed for certain tracks. And for example, Dog Days Are Over, she sounds very sensual and she carefully builds up the intensity of the song. Now, the chorus uh, kind of struck me like a typical indie fair of the time. Very upbeat, very anthemic. And that, to be honest, was my biggest gripe with Florence and the Machine when I started listening to them a long time ago. But overall, it doesn't really bother me much because everything else is really great, especially her voice. And I just loved it from the get-go. Uh, Alexander, what was your impression when you started listening to this record? I think that the opening track really sets the tone for the record. You know, Dark Days Are Over, one of those singles, also one of their most popular songs. Nowadays, you still hear it on the radio. It's a banger. It's, it's a really good song. I, I like it. Uh, it has a powerful, a powerful chorus. And I think that's, the, that's one of the most uh, positive things about this band, that uh, they they tend to make this powerful sort of anthemic choruses and uh, that's what also hooks you up. I mean, if that's if that's your thing, then you will definitely like uh, like this record. Uh, then moving on, you have Rabbit Heart, another good song, which is I think about becoming stronger and more self confident. This is mostly the thing with with their music, you know personal struggles, uh, broken relationships, starting, you know, starting your life again after uh, some sort of uh, stress or trauma. Then you have this song, um, I'm just, not calling uh, you a Just a second, I want to interrupt you for a moment, because um, you talked about Rabbit Heart, and I also felt the same way as you did about the song. And uh, one thing I want to add, though, is how these songs, they really capture the anguish and the struggle of the generation, you know, that Florence is from, this kind of millennial struggle, let's call it. And this is why this music resonates so much with people, and it's really done so wonderfully. And there's so many uh, great elements to this tune. So uh, you were saying something about the next tune? Yeah, I'm not calling you a liar, a love song. And then you have Owl. It's, uh, Owl is, is a rather upbeat song. Uh, what I want to say about the band and this record in particular, um, the songs sound sort of upbeat, but it, it also has this ballad elements, so almost like these songs are sometimes, they, they sound sometimes like ballads, uh, which is a very interesting combination and probably why a lot of people can relate to, to this kind of music. Yes, exactly. Now, also... Exactly yeah, my observations on. as well. You you have it spot on. And, you know, like this is so upbeat, but at the same time, very melancholy, very, you know, like you can uh, you can really relate to it if you've felt the same way as, as the singer. Yeah, absolutely. And you can also sense that from the lyrics. 
Uh, now, what I want to say before I uh, continue talking about individual tracks, there is also the other side of this of this argument, uh, let's say the negative side. So the songs tend to have this fantastic buildup, you know, this excellent buildup where it fills you with energy and excitement. And what I found kind of disappointing is that when you're expecting that big moment, when you're expecting the song to reach a higher level, um, she just repeats the same lyrics from earlier in the song. And that's the thing with almost the whole record. I think that is some sort of, I don't want to be harsh, but that's maybe due to the maturity or immaturity of the, of the record. I was just expecting, you know, from those songs to, to really reach new heights. But I, I guess, you know, uh, when you repeat the same lyrics, you know, multiple times, uh, that's the characteristic that's typical for upbeat songs. And as I said, some of these songs are not really upbeat, but you have, you know, this, you have this, let's say, flaws. Did you have maybe the same impression or, uh, or is th it That's subjective? an interesting observation. I think that uh, their buildup is great, as you mentioned. Uh, and sometimes, as I mentioned before, I have issues with some of these anthemic, bombastic choruses, but not always. And I think that you might be a bit harsh because it's not the repetition that irks me. It's more about you know, the melody of those choruses that can be a bit off sometimes, but only sometimes. Sometimes these uh, bombastic, dramatic choruses work really well, and I, I don't think that they're necessarily immature. I think this is, first of all, this is still pop music, even though it's some kind of weird, indie, twisted version of pop music, it's still pop music, so that's why there's an element of repetition, but lyrically, I think Florence and the Machine are very expressive. I really liked some of the lyrics. I could really in, enjoy just listening to some of her words alone uh, outside the, the melody yeah. and everything else. So I think that you are a bit harsh, even though there's a grain of truth to what you're saying. Sometimes these uh, choruses can be a bit grating on your ears, but I think it also depends on your mood and it really depends on the song. Possibly, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, I, I'm glad that it's subjective. I mean, we can still hear from our fans if there is someone out there listening to this episode who is a massive Florence and Machine fan. Please tell us, engage with us and just say, you know, whether I'm wrong or not. Uh, so moving on, I want to touch on the experimental part of their music. So the song Girl With One Eye, it has a bluesy feel. Um, my my opinion is that it's kind of bluesy. It has these creepy lyrics that I didn't quite uh, understand. I'm not sure if it's about rape or pedophilia or something like that. They are kind of creepy. They're talking about some sort of violence, I think. Vlada, any thoughts on this? I, I can't really recall the lyrics very well, but uh, what I liked about this track is that kind of smoothness and jazzy feel to it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, it builds up very slowly and there's a very thunderous climax at the end of the song. And I thought that was great. Her falsetto was awesome in this song. So very well executed. About the lyrics, I, I kind of have to look them up now one more time. Yeah, uh, but we kind of agree that it's it feels kind of jazzy or even bluesy, right? Yeah, it's of course. Very, very, um, it does have that 
you know, I was thinking about people like Nina Simone and uh, people like that while listening to this track. At the same time, it, it does sound a bit modern as well. You know, it doesn't have that classic feel. So it's a nice fusion of different elements. Um, yeah, that's the case uh, with a lot of be, indie Yeah, this is definitely yeah. a song about some kind of sexual harassment. Um, and, you know, I, I like the way that uh, she writes about stuff. It's not always very clear, but she puts just enough uh, enough hints there for you to, to imagine what the song might be about. So... Yes, that, yes. Mm -hmm. She has she has a specific way of writing songs and she also praised her colleagues, her band members for understanding that approach. So there's a there's a great chemistry going on in this in this band and uh we can also say that Florence is one of the main songwriters here along with her friend Isabella Machine Summers. Yes, okay, let's take a look at some other tracks as well. Uh, for example, there's a track called uh, Kiss with a Fist, which I also found very interesting and kind of deviating from the usual formula, a very punkish, energetic, these crunchy guitars. And yet her vocal delivery is impeccable here as well, but not because of her range so much, but rather her attitude. Great guitars, great drums. I like that foray into a punchier style, a bit more punkish. Just just goes to show how much talent uh, this outfit has. So very good, very cool. W what did you think? Yes, uh, th that's that's one of the singles as well. A cute song, as I wrote in my notes. Very good, very punchy. And there are some other tracks as well that we can single out. One track that I that I really like that is definitely one of my highlights is the, the song "My Boy Builds Coffins." Uh, which I found pretty very sad. Interesting. And, yeah, it's very interesting yeah. uh, from the lyrical point of view. I'll, I'll just read some of the lyrics here. It says, My boy builds coffins with hammers and nails. He doesn't build ships. He has no use for sails. He doesn't make tables, dressers, or chairs. He can't carve a whistle because he just doesn't care. And then she goes on and on. Uh, uh, kind of, a, of course, it's very metaphorical. It's, I think, it could be interpreted in many ways that uh, the the person she's dating might have some issues with um, depression or negativity or some other issues, so, uh, mental health issues. You can think of could be interpreted in a completely different way as well. It all depends on the listener. But yeah, uh, a very interesting tune overall. One of my highlights, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure, and definitely one of the highlights for me as well. So yes. Okay, what else do we have here, Alexander? Yeah, we have the song Blinding, which I found quite tense and also one of the highlights. Uh, the song between My my Boy Bill's Coffins and, and Blinding is called Hurricane Drunk. And I have to say that this was a... A kind of disappointing track. I think it was pretty average, uh, lyrically speaking. It sounded too cheesy to me. I think the record. Um, I, I don't think the record actually benefited from from this track, to be honest. Especially yeah, because it was put. If I remember, it was it, put in well, the middle of two fantastic tracks. Yeah, it's not so memorable because it's kind of sandwiched between really good tracks. So I don't remember it so well too. I I enjoyed it. I just don't remember it being 
one of the better tunes here. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, I want to touch on the last track, the single, and probably one of the best tracks ever done by by Florence and the Machine. It's called You've Got the Love. It's such a, it's a true indie anthem, Vlada, don't you think? Uh, yeah, a very good closing song here. Uh, I thought that uh, this was a perfect way to end the record. But kind of commercial, maybe, commercial sounding compared to other songs. Not that that's necessarily bad. Still very bombastic, dramatic. Everything that's quite um, particular to this band, you know, this very distinctive sound that they have. And so it's instantly recognizable as their tune, I would say. So, yes, a nice way to end the record. Uh, it has that kind of atmosphere of finality. So it, it, perfectly, it perfectly recaptures everything that this band is about, especially on this debut record. It, it, ends, it ends the album on a high note, for sure. Yes. But I have to say one thing. I have to throw something here. This is not a Florence and the Machine song. This is actually a cover. And when I found out, I was kind of let down, I have to say. So You've Got to Love is actually a song written by a team of songwriters called The Source from 1980. And it was originally uh, performed by, I think the singer was Sandy Stedden. I actually listened to the song. Oh, it's, wow, it, you it's caught me good. off guard. Usually I'm the one who recognizes all the covers. And now you caught yeah. me off guard here. I, I have to apologize to dear listeners for, <laughs> for the lack of expertise on this one. Yeah, yeah. Let me just check. I, I'm not sure if it's 1980. It's 1986, sorry. So, yeah. So Florence and Machine actually became famous by doing a cover song. We know that that's not that's not rare in the music world. Not but bad I said though, that I because was a... they still infuse this with their own sound. As I said, it has all these musical elements that are instantly recognizable as uh, the Florence and the Machine. So I think it's yeah. it's, it's a good track to f close the record. Maybe not one of the best tracks here, in my opinion. There are other better tracks more uh, lyrically interesting, um, more experimental, like the drumming song that I think we haven't mentioned, which really takes me back to the yeah. days of Kate Bush and Peter Gabriel. You know, I really like that. Uh, very A very cool, funky and idiosyncratic drum beat. So lots of good stuff here. But maybe it's time for us to move to the ratings. So Alexander... Yep, we we should now move on and give our ratings and pick favorite tracks. So uh, I think this is overall a good debut record. As I said earlier in the episode, it paved the way for their success. But uh, bearing all the positive and, neg and negatives in mind, um, I think the rating for this record would be oh somewhere between 7 and 7.5 in my opinion. Um, actually, after the second listen, I thought uh, the record sounded better to me. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. And uh, the favorite track here is, uh, we mentioned it, it's My Boy Builds Coffins. How about you, Vlada? Um, I think um, I was also kind of torn between 7.5 and 8. 
because I think it's a really good debut record, lots of good quality songs, uh, a very fresh voice. I think it's her voice, her singing that elevates the record to to eight. I think uh, also good lyrics too, very enjoyable. As I said, uh, you can in in some ways make an argument that this is a voice of a certain generation. Um, I think it's very relatable for people who grew up in a certain uh, at a certain time in a certain environment. So yes, I'll give it an eight. And uh, as for the best track, um, I have to think about it a bit because I'm I'm not 100% certain because there are so many good tracks like Rabbit Heart and um, I don't know drumming song I really enjoyed. My boy builds coffins. Mm. Okay, let's say uh, Rabbit Heart on my part, but uh, it's hard fair to enough. choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So now, moving on, we're going to discuss the next record. It's called Ceremonials, uh, released in 2011. So, Vlada, any difference, any upgrades or downgrades compared to the debut record? Oof, it's always tough to follow a great debut record, you know, that drew so much attention. And, you know, when I started listening to this one, I thought uh, there's a song only if for a night. And I thought, okay, this doesn't sound bad, but it has that similar bombast that we already heard on some of the tracks on the previous record. And it, at this point, it does sound a bit tired, a bit overused. It doesn't sound bad per se, but it's a bit less organic. However, as the record went on, I got a much more favor favorable opinion. So, for example, um, uh, What the Water Gave Me. I really loved that track. The change of pace. A more subtle oh, side yeah. of the band. Yeah. You know, very intense build-up. There's uh, the, the drums and bass underpin the, the, the song with this very dark beat, dark atmosphere. And then in the second half, it picks up. And you have this great combination of vocals. I don't know if it's Florence overdubbing herself or probably another band member. I love the way they sing together. So a really good track. Shake it out, the preceding yeah. track. Yeah, um, just for a moment. Sorry for interrupting mm -hmm. you. I, I just want to add one interesting uh, uh, impression that I had uh, about what the water gave me. For some reason, that... Um, that song reminded me of the Cranberries, and I think uh, Florence also sounded a bit like the Cranberries vocalist, Dolores. Uh, did you have the same impression, maybe? Uh, I can see how uh, that could be the case, yes. So it does, it does have that similar vibe now that I think about it a bit. So uh, anyway, very good record, I feel, again. Never Let Me Go is an interesting track as well. A power ballad, a kind of a, for me at least, maybe other people don't have the same impression, but it's kind of a throwback to the 80s. You know, even though it has a distinctly 2000s indie production, but, you know, ballads really fit Florence. Her delivery adds a lot of personality to these songs. And even if something sounds a bit generic at times, the fact that she sings it kind of overrides it. Speaking of the 80s, I have to mention the track called Lover to Lover, which is also, I think, one of the singles from this album. 
that particular song has uh, a typical 80s intro. It has that keyboard intro, and I was like, oh, is this some sort of uh, 80s pop rock song? And that's that's what showed me that they are actually uh, a very very knowledgeable musician. Said that uh, in particular, uh, Florence Welch, of course. And um, I have to say that somewhere midway through the record, I kind of got lost. I have to say some of the songs sounded too uniformed, but then the song Spectrum. Okay, it's a single and it's one of the most popular songs by Florence and Machine. And I'm not gonna sound funny, but um, I've known this. I've known this song for years. This song, Spectrum. But this is actually the first time that I discovered that it's a Florence and the Machine song. <laughs> oh well, that is just a testimony to their popularity, for better or worse, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> a good track, I think. Uh, you mentioned "Lover to Lover." I love the whole funkiness of that tune. Very soulful very soulful you know and i like when this band i like it when this band branches out to that style you know more rmb more soulful very cool speaking especially of soul with... and mm -hmm. funk do you remember the joe cocker song woman to woman there's a verse saying woman to woman lover to love you know that uh yeah yeah that could be an influence possibly maybe i don't know let's not guess here but it could be i guess i don't know i have to compare it to that track first uh, but yeah um, I don't know I, I think that uh, this is still a very consistent record I know it might have lost you but I don't see this as necessarily weaker than the previous effort um, maybe some of the bombast these dramatic choruses kind of start getting grating a bit like no light, no light. It has that bombast again, but still, it has so many redeeming things. Like Florence overdubbing her vocals at the beginning, and it's so interesting how she's capable of experimentation with vocals, trying out different styles, modes, uh, voices, and uh, I like that stuff. And it's catchy on top of that. Uh, um, some of the other tracks that I would like to single out, uh, All This Heaven 2. What did you think about that one, All This Heaven 2? Uh, according to my notes, I actually like the rhythm section there. Uh, rarely do I praise the rhythm, sec the rhythm section uh, from this band. I often uh, concentrate on uh, the guitars, uh, the keyboards, the vocals, but the rhythm section was here good. That's, that's my memory of this track, Lada. Yeah, very cool. And I also like like the lyrics again. Um, I will just read some of them. Uh, at the beginning, she says, and the heart is hard to translate. It has a language of its own. It talks in tongues and quiet sighs and prayers and proclamations. In the grand days of great men and the smallest of gestures in short, shallow gasps. I really like this. I thought the lyrics were phenomenal here. Not just this um, this verse, but overall. And sometimes I could really just enjoy listening to the lyrics. And that's why sometimes this bombast gets on the nerves. Because I think it detracts from the lyrical content and from the songwriting in general. I feel that that's one flaw that I can 
uh, notice here, but everything else seems to be really good. Uh, great musicianship arrangements, vocals. Alexander, any yeah. other tracks that you would like to talk about? Yeah, I would just finally like to praise the track uh, Leave My Body, which is, I think, about a broken relationship that Florence wants to get away from. She wants to recover from all the problems that she had uh, in that relationship. A very nice uh, uh, finishing track, uh, one of my highlights, to be honest. So that's kind of it. Uh, another good record by Florence and the Machines, so we can now... Um, start giving ratings and picking favorite tracks. So Vlada, let's hear your rating and your favorite track. All right, here, um, I think I'll, I'll give it also an eight because I thought it was kind of a similar quality, even though there are some problems here, but I don't think that they really take too much away. My favorite track, hmm, let me think, um, maybe... Oof, Tough, tough, tough. Uh, I would say What the Water Gave Me. I really like that one. But also Good All choice. This Heaven too. So I don't know. But that track, let's say What the Water Gave Me. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good track. All right. So uh, my rating is, uh, however, lower. I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a seven. Um, and the favorite track here is Leave My Body, as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. So uh, we're now going to skip uh, one record and move on to uh, the latest record by Florence and the Machine. As we're sitting here and recording, this is their uh, last record. Uh, it's called Highest Hope. Uh, it was released in 2018. And before I give you the microphone, Vlada, I have to say that this was my least favorite album out of, this, out of these three. I think the instrumentation is good uh, possibly even better than the than the previous record that we discussed but overall i think this is the kind of record that you just uh, play and um you just don't pay too much attention you're not too focused at, at least i wasn't maybe i need a bit more time uh, but i have to say that um uh, I think this is a slight. This is slightly a step back for the band, in my opinion. But I'm not so sure about it. Even though I had some of the similar impressions, but what I think is that it's more subtle and it might take more time for it to sink in. And I liked some of the changes here. Uh, they did away with some of this bombast, and I'm so glad that they decided to change the sound a bit because these, uh, this kind of formula might get tired very quickly. Um, and as a result, we have a record that sounds more sparse, more uh, maybe introspective because it's easier to follow the lyrics. Uh, the voice is kind of at the center of it. You can hear her very clearly. Uh, there's a very good range of emotions overall. So I think it's a kind of a record that's a grower and it takes more time. Uh, uh, for example, I really liked South London Forever, this kind of uh, nostalgic tune about a certain area, a certain uh, period of time for, for Florence, I guess, or whoever wrote the lyrics. I, I would assume she did, but maybe I'm wrong on that account. I love the way she paints. Yes, she this, did. Yeah, yeah. Love the way she paints this world with her lyrics and voice. I like that kind of, uh, uh, you know, that kind of synergy between 
the lyrics and the voice that's much more palpable on this record than on the previous ones. So in that sense, that's a welcome change compared to other records. However, I'm not sure that this is a better record for it, but I'm sure that at this point in their career, this is the record that they had to do. Any any other comments on, yeah. on your part? Pretty good points there, Vlada. I totally agree about the song South London Forever. It had, it, it had that nostalgic feel. I think the first two tracks were very groovy and uh, the rhythm section was very pronounced. However, I think um, this is more of an indie pop record. So with the previous records, we could see some rock elements. Now this is more... Uh, this is more of a switch towards uh, soul and pop music, uh, which is also a good thing if you're in that kind of mood. But you know, I I, say... I'll make a I'll make another statement there. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think it's also more of a singer songwriter kind of record. You know, that's why it takes longer time good maybe point. for it to yeah, sink in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Florence wrote all of the songs on this record, um, so that's kind of. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to sound harsh. Maybe it's a one one man show, uh, but let's not get into that. I don't want to offend anyone, especially one not man. One man show, yeah. one woman show. Yeah, one woman show. Please, exactly. Please, <laughs> what kind of sexism is this? So I'm, first, I'm seriously so first, appalled. So first, I'm bashing the artist, and now I'm also being bigoted. So. I'm expecting some very harsh comments from our listeners on, on, on our social media. Hopefully but anyway, you'll be forgiven because it, this was just a slip of, of tongue. It was a travesty, no. right? <laughs> no, no. So, we, yeah. we all know you and we know that uh, you don't stand for that kind of bigotry and sexism. Yeah, I, I hope I leave that kind of repression, to be honest. All right, so... I don't have a lot of comments to to add about this record. I have to say, I think it was instrumentally well executed, but to me, it sounded a bit too cheesy. Uh, I can single out the track Patricia. It was it was good, very good song. It was catchy, uh, but honestly, none of the other tracks actually caught my attention that much. I I, I liked, for example, the album cover. But uh, maybe I just need a bit more time. I was just listening to it, uh, not very focused, because there weren't too many moments that caught my eye or my ear, that is. So that's, that's, that's it for me, Vlad, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I have a more favorable opinion. I do think that this record takes more time, as I mentioned, but there are some great vocal performances and excellent songs like The End of Love, where she goes like from singing in a very intense way to this uh, shaky, uh, very emotionally resonant voice. It's very passionate. And also a couple of songs that start off with a cappella style of singing, just hearing her singing her heart's, heart out in isolation. I love that. That really uh, gave me a, a thrill, you know. And, and uh, songs like Sky Full of Song or No Choir which is um, at the end, uh, some cool lyrics. You know, like she says, happiness is an extremely uneventful subject. I love, I love th this lyric too. It's just awesome. So lots of stuff here to digest and to like. It just takes more time uh, maybe than the Agreed. other records because they're more bombastic, more commercial sounding in a way. 
uh, maybe catchier, but I, I like the whole atmosphere, the sparseness of this record, still very diverse stylistically, but maybe not so in your face. Oops. All right, so, uh, Alexander, <laughs> should we move I, on to I, the I, ratings? Yeah, just before we move on to the ratings, you made a good point about... Uh, individual verses and lyrics i think uh, there were really some moments not just with this record but all the records that we discussed today some of the lyrics just really sound fascinating and i would gladly quote them so maybe maybe you'll see some of that on our social media guys so uh, stay tuned all right so let's move on to the ratings i'm now gonna give my super harsh rating and try to pick a favorite track guys so brace yourselves my rating for this record is 6.5 that may change we'll see depending on my mood next time and uh, the favorite track here is let's see there were some good tracks i have to say south london forever hunger and so on but i think i think i'll pick hunger yeah then that's that's my standout track all right i think you are a bit too harsh i think this is a good record i will i will give it 7.5 uh, because i'm not sure it impressed me as much as the previous ones even though i kind of thought that it would from the beginning you know when i started listening i felt like this might be a more mature record more interesting but that kind of lost me a bit at times but that can change because I really think this is the kind of record that takes more time to sink in. So I'll give it 7.5 and the best track, um, hmm, maybe South London Forever. Good track, good track. All right. Vlada, any final words before we sign off? Uh, well, what can I say? This is the kind of band where you either love them or hate them because they have this very distinctive style. Uh, sometimes they tend to repeat themselves a bit, especially over the course of those early records. That might be an issue. On the other hand, an extremely talented songwriter and vocalist in Florence Welch, I, I really cannot praise her enough. I think that she adds another dimension to these songs. I think the whole band as a unit is uh, very competent, uh, very eager to experiment with the sound. Um, I, I like the overall baroque atmosphere that they create it's very uh 2000s indie style uh, a kind of a generational style music that really resonates yeah. with people from my generation and maybe somewhat younger people as well yep i agree um definitely an indie classic one of those uh, very talented and promising bands and you just love to to explore them and see that there is still good music nowadays um, so that's it for today guys thanks a lot for tuning in uh, don't forget to follow our social media we're on twitter instagram and facebook the handle is the same soundrise pod and if you also would like to um, support our show you can do that by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash we have specific tiers and benefits that go, that go with them so you want you you might want to check check that out and also special announcement guys on april 24 we are gonna uh, be the guests uh, for international podcast day so that's going to be a live stream across multiple platforms 
the time is 7 p.m. UTC. So from 7 to 8 p.m. UTC will be there. Um, we will obviously uh, make the official announcement on our social media, but now you know. So uh, thanks a lot again, and uh, we'll see you very soon. Write a review, and then you can share it. With the world. In any social media platform. And then your friends see it, and you can share and discover new shows together. This is Steph, instigator of Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. And I'm Andy from Inspired Money. And I'm Arielle of Earbuds Podcast Collective and CastBox. We're here to tell you everything you need to know about Pod Rev Day. Which is on the 8th of every month, of every year, of every century, of every... You get it. We are posting podcast reviews as part of hashtag Pod Rev Day, Podcast Review Day. Because podcasters work their butts off and deserve to know how much they've impacted your lives. And you can do that through reviews. Even one star feels surprisingly <laughs> good. Does it? It lets you know that people are at least listening. Don't be a passive podcast listener. Write a review and tell your favorite creator what you love about their podcast or about a specific episode. And to participate, you just need to do one review. And we'll see you every eighth of the month. Pod Rev Day. Because podcasters deserve to hear it. Hashtag Pod Rev Day. P-O-D-R-E-V-D-A-Y.